Amen. Good evening. How y'all? Did anybody receive something during worship? If you did, will you raise your hand real quick? What did you receive? Did anybody receive something worthy of testifying about? Give me that. Glory to God. So uh, in the beginning when uh, Pastor Brian was talking about just focus your eyes on wait, Jesus. Wait one minute. Who are you? Are you a visitor here or what? In the was, Look, was the same person. <laughs> okay. So oh, it's Chris. <laughs> in the beginning when Pastor Brian was talking about focusing your eyes on Christ alone, um, I had a really tough time doing that. And uh, I just asked Judah, I said, Judah, I said, when you think about Jesus, I said, how do you see him? And he goes, well, I see him in white robes, shining. And I was thinking, that's not how I see Jesus. And I always see Jesus sitting in the fishing boat, like when he's been pushed out. And he's like sitting in the boat teaching to the multitudes. That's how I always see Jesus. <laughs> that's how I always see Jesus. Um. And I asked God, I said, God, why, why, is, why do I see Jesus that way? And he said, because you always relate to Jesus as a teacher. And I'm sure that when, when Judah thinks about Jesus, he thinks about the miraculous, the salvation, the purifying. Just, it touched me because he revealed that to me. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? During worship, something worthy of testifying about? Or something the Lord did, not just in worship, but here real recently. Will you hold that for people? Just, she'll hold it for you. Okay, thank you. Um, this morning, or Friday, I was having problems with my sinuses and my left ear. So I asked Pastor to pray for me this morning. And the pressure... And the problem I was having with my ear is gone. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> but also, during worship, the devil's been fighting me really bad. I just, I know, I know because I've been stepping up and asking God where you want me. Place me where you want me. Let me do what you want me to do. I know the devil's fighting me because of that. So I just... I just know something's fixing to happen. I don't know what, yeah. but it's fixing to happen. Amen. Because God loves you. Yeah. Amen. Anybody else? Come on, Justin. I'll be your mic holder. Huh? You'll be my mic holder? <laughs> Can I hold your hand and like... There you go. <laughs> I'll just hold it. All right. Um... Uh, I, I've been reading a book recently and it's talking about accepting like the love of Jesus and being satisfied with that and not really needing anything else. And so like this week I really focused on that. And, um, also like, you know, when Jesus loves us, like if we mess up, you know, he's not going to hold it against us. And I know that sometimes like we hold things against us, like maybe we do something for somebody and they don't receive it. But it doesn't change that why we did it, whether they receive it or not. And um, so, like, I was thinking about, you know, reading that book and, like, what, like, how Jesus loves us. 
and I was thinking of like 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. And so, like, I think right after you talked, like, I, like, changed a way that I was thinking about something and realized that, like, it doesn't matter uh, if I wanted to do something, like, circumstances or whatever don't change the reason that I wanted to do it. So, like, I should just still do it even if it doesn't end up that way and not yeah. really feel um, just because it didn't turn out the way the reason I was going to do or, you know what I'm saying, like, if you're going to do something for somebody and maybe things change or whatever and they can't use it, there's no reason to be, like, aggravated about that. I mean, like, so it doesn't change why you were doing it. So, anyways. Amen. Priscilla? Just as a note, uh, no, we're not going to let you hold the mic from this point forward, okay? <laughs> too long. Yeah, no, what we're, we have to, most everybody here is family. But there's some people that want to come in and do that, and we will hold the mic. So, amen, glory, hallelujah. All right. <laughs> so, um, can we go lower? Thank you. Oh. Okay. Well, um, some of you know my car broke down, and when it broke down instantly, my pop-up pastor was on the phone and getting people together that can come rescue me. It was late at night, and then even in that night... Um, a car was immediately given to me. Another car was available to me. Through that whole week, it was not this week, but last week, God carried me through and kept kept having me where he wanted me to be, to serve and do like he wanted me to. But And as I was thinking this week, and um, I was thinking about you guys and thinking about pastor appreciation and stuff, and, um, I was going to put it on Facebook, but I didn't. This is probably why. I have so much encouragement. I, I told Pastor Nicole, just really in like the last three, four months, you have really become a papa to me. Mm. And um, and I've been, Pastor Nicole has been sowing time into me, meeting with her once a month. And it's it's helping me so much to to stand firm when I need to stand firm, to receive correction when I've needed it and to open my eyes to see so i really really appreciate and value you guys for giving time into me and helping to grow me in every way and so i just i thank you for that and everybody if you're not taking advantage of your pastors and allowing them to be a pastor in your life more than just on sunday you're missing a whole it's it's like that like pastor nicole and like you brought up on um a life group um, everybody, I'm pretty sure, has seen the image of the little girl holding the teddy bear and then the, um, and then the Jesus, <laughs> Jesus holding the bigger teddy bear. It's like that. If you don't go to them, you're holding on to that little teddy bear when there is so much more that God has for you through them. So get on their calendar. <laughs> Amen. I, I'll explain the mic thing in just a second. The, um, that's awesome. Thank you, Priscilla. Thank you, Justin. That's good. That's a good word. You got one? Okay, hold on one second. Let me explain the mic thing. So as we grow, 
uh, the Lord is going to be blessing and more and more people are going to be coming, right? Well, the devil will also be uh, sending people to hijack services, right? So most everybody here, I trust you with a microphone. That's not the issue. What we're doing is we're setting precedent. So in other words, that way it doesn't appear unfair and nobody has an argument. Well, you let that person hold the mic and they're, they're trying to hijack the service, which that'll happen because the devil tries to do that kind of stuff. So it's just God's given us wisdom in advance and told us, nope, we'll hold it for you. You just speak. We know where to hold it at anyway. Plus, most people hold it down here anyway and because they're, they don't, it needs to be up here. So. Um, so that's just it. That way it takes away the argument. Uh, well, you let such and such do it. Yep. Nope. We didn't. Nobody gets to, we just, we'll hold it for you. And that way, uh, there's not any issue in the future. So that's all. It's just being wise. Like what we were saying this morning about using some wisdom and logic. It's just something the Lord showed us. And he does that every now and then he'll show us stuff that doesn't the word say that he will show us things to come. And doesn't he show us that he will expose the plans of the enemy. That's one of those plans that he's exposing. Now, pretty much everybody here, we'd let you, we trust all of you pretty much. Um, I don't know anybody that we wouldn't really trust in that. Uh, and a lot of it's by the Holy Spirit, what to do and not, but by you working with us, it's kind of like when we do, um, um, uh, Background checks, right? We do, everybody gets background check, even me, uh, when they're working with, if they're a leader or they're working with youth or children, we all get background checks. That way they, when nobody can say, well, they didn't have to do one. Nope, we all do it. We all do it voluntarily. And we understand that people uh, weren't always, you know, Jesus freaks. We get that. <laughs> we, we understand that and we have mercy on that. We understand that people are coming uh, from different backgrounds and a lot of times they're freshly saved. And uh, that means that they freshly weren't saved, right? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago and we're good with that. We understand that we have mercy, but in order to stop any uh, discussion or uh, anything like that, we just all get them and then we don't have to worry about it. So, amen. Amen. Yeah, come on up, Jude. So by you helping with that and submitting to that little kind of new rule, which we hadn't been doing up till now, uh, by you doing that, it helps us as a ministry in the whole going from this uh, point forward. So tell it. So today I found this penny that was on the coffee sh shelf, you know, in the out there in the, you know, uh, the yeah, the lobby. So I found this bent it penny so i it was out there all alone uh, no one was there around there and so i picked it up and put it in my pocket and when we i came here right now and when it was uh time for the tyson offerings i felt for my pockets and put that penny in there <laughs> how about that that's <laughs> awesome I think it was a blessing of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Good job. God is so good, isn't he? He wanted you to have something. Amen. <laughs> Ansley wants to testify. <laughs> I heard, huh? Ansley wants to hijack the mic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you hear what she said? She said An Ansley wants to hijack the mic. <laughs> Chris <is> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. So I heard that um, Children's Church was awesome this morning. Is that right? Yeah. 
Miss Deb. Was it good? What happened? Come here, tell me about it. I don't know what to say. What happened? Well, I got to pray over people and usher people. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> what happened? Come here. Come here, Shala. That's all right. Tell them what happened. So you heard Arabella. We, we took a nickname. We called her Lady Pastor. Oh, well, she was a really Arabella? good pastor. Mm-hmm. She was so good. She prayed for everybody. Everybody, well, what you would say, knocked out, filled with the Holy Jesus. And that's it. <laughs> Filled with the Holy Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on. You can you can just hold it like this. So you don't have to yeah. This morning was awesome. Um everyone was everyone in Super Kids that is was going out with the power of the Holy Ghost and she knocked Miss Deb out. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Michelle and LeVay ushered. That's awesome. <laughs> She ushered half the time. She also prayed for a lot of people. <laughs> Did you want to say something, Arabella? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? That's awesome. Come on up. Okay, so uh, our daughter Elena, back when, back on her, when we had her 12-month checkup, our, doc, our doctor diagnosed her with failure to thrive. And like back in January, she weighed like 10 and a half pounds, and we were a little bit concerned, and we said, hey, is this something we need to be checking up on? Doctor said, no, it's fine. A couple months later, at her checkup, we said, hey, something we need to be concerned about? And I was like, doctor said, no, it's fine. At the 12-month checkup, she had, from January to July, she had gained two pounds. And the wow. doctor just goes into this panic, like, oh my gosh, we got it, you know, it could be celiac, it could be this, and it could be this, and it could be the, well, we've been telling you this. So, you know, she goes, just kind of this panic mode, she wants to get, you know, she gets her appointments with this specialist and this specialist. And first of all, we very quickly got appointments with those specialists, one that it takes like months to get, sorry, one that takes like months to get appointments. They said, okay, we got you one for next week, and we got you one with this one for the week after. So that was one little bit of favor there. So we were able to get appointments very quickly. But then, you know, our doctor's going into this panic mode, and the whole time, we're a little bit concerned. Like, okay, concerned in the sense of, okay, if there's something that's going on, we need to address it. You know, whether in the, in the physical, we need to find out what we need to pray for, ask other folks to be praying. But other than that, it's like we weren't, we weren't worried. Like, okay, God's got this. He's going to take care of it. And so we went to, you know, we were going to the specialists, her tests and blood work, urinary analysis. Everything's coming back clear. And a uh, person that talks about eating things. Thank you. Dietitian. <laughs> you can tell who has the vocabulary in the family. Um, you know, the dietitian saying, well, you know, you can help her by, you know, let her eat this and give her more of this and this. So we start doing that. From July to roughly about August, September, she gains another two pounds. So January to July, she gains two pounds. 
July to about August, she gains another two pounds. Glory to God. August, even through September, she's gaining even more. She's gain, and from that, in that time, she's gained about at least an inch, you know, or more, excuse me, at least two inches in height slash length, you know, depending on if she's laying down, standing up, whatever. Um, and I was telling Chris this a couple weeks ago, like almost literally overnight, she goes from three-month clothes, and remember, this is a one-year-old, she goes from wearing three-month clothes to three-six, and Mara was trying some stuff on yesterday. She's in nine month already. <laughs> now from, again, from January roughly to July, she was in roughly about three month clothes almost that entire time. From July to now, she's gained roughly six months, you know, sizing in clothing. So, and it, just that whole time, we just knew. It's like, okay, God's going to take care of this. And we're praying, you know, we always pray over Elena every night. We're praying that God supernaturally grow her. Let her grow, let her gain, let her gain weight, let Amen. her gain height. Let her surpass, because, you know, they have, like, all the brackets, you know, the percentiles. Let, like, let her surpass what her percentile is supposed to be for this age. And, like, just go above and beyond what anyone even thinks. And he's been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, we had another couple of testimonies. Uh, you can turn uh, to 2 Corinthians 4, around 18. We had uh, Stephen, come on up here. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, come on up here. Yeah. <laughs> We just had to talk about the mic, so don't try to grab it, okay? So I was actually, I was, <laughs> I was just, hello, hello sir. I have something for you. That's yours. Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah, amen. Um, I was just going to tell about the testimony. We had a couple of testimonies this week, but um, one of the things that happened was we had somebody that asked for prayer, and we have to get used to God's normal. And we have to be very unused to the world's normal or the devil's normal, okay? If you're used to the world's normal, then you'll just go through life and you'll think that attacks are normal. And you think that the results of the attacks are normal. But if you're used to God's normal, where in heaven there's no lack, there's no, there's no lack of health, there's no lack of provision, uh, you don't need protection because you're in heaven with God, you're in the presence of God. When you get used to that and then God says, pray this way, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you start to think differently. Now, wait a minute, is it like this in heaven? And so earlier, and if it's not like that in heaven, then in the name of Jesus, change situation change. And when you take that on as a normal, all of a sudden when the devil tries to put in something that's the world's normal, but outside of God's normal, then what happens? You're like, wait a minute, this is counterfeit. This doesn't belong here. This is illegal. This is not right. And when you start to think like that, you start to pray like that, you start to live like that. And all of a sudden God's normal can be just that. It can be normal to you. That's what the world's really looking for. Well, we had a situation this week uh, where somebody went to get some stuff uh, checked out and make sure everything was good. They get there to the doctor and, you know, the doctor's basically like, we can't find anything. You know, everything just worked out. And uh, that was just, we were just praying. Ex well, what were we expecting? God's normal, right? And uh, then you and I had a situation earlier this week where somebody had a situation, and we won't go into details, but basically uh, you tell as much as you can without 
you know, hold back what details you need to. Sure. I won't take it. <laughs> I tried to warn you. I won't take it. I promise. <laughs> so um, a dear friend called and a uh, family member was having some issues and, you know, things seemed to be okay and then all of a sudden things got worse or it appeared to be worse. You know, that's what they were saying that, uh, you know, it could be this and they jumped to the conclusion, you know, it might not be bad, but we think it is. And, and, you know, so they called hysterical and morning prayer. And, and so I prayed, uh, uh, with this individual and, and then I knew I needed to call pastor Brian and I don't want to bug him every time somebody asks me to pray. Cause you know, we, we can pray. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have that authority. Um, but in this particular instance, I knew that I needed to, to call him. And so we prayed together. And um, the thing that, uh, that was a concern was a brain tumor. And um, as Pastor Brian prayed, I saw in the spirit. And I know that sounds weird, but, but I did. I saw it. Uh, and, 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 you know, with my eyes closed, I, I saw, you know, a brain. And I saw the thing that shouldn't be there coming out, like physically being removed as he prayed. And, you know, I just got this sense of peace uh, immediately after that. And, and I told him later, I didn't tell him in, in that moment, but I was like, eh, we're good. We can stop. We got this covered. <laughs> and, um, and so there were three tests that were done. One was pretty quick, and I let him know immediately that, hey, this came back, and they couldn't find anything. I said, but there's two more, and they're not going to find anything either. And then about, what, six hours later, uh, nothing. Nothing showed up. And then last night, the last piece of it, you know, it took longer for pathology to come back and, Yep, nothing there. Everything's good. <laughs> so, you know, you could say, well, hey, you know, you were praying for something that wasn't there to begin with. I totally disagree with that. There were physical symptoms manifesting. And, and I think, you know, I believe that had we not prayed and had I not called Pastor Brian and he not prayed, uh, I don't know that it would have worked out that way because immediately after that, the physical manifestations of these issues started to abate. They after started to go away prayed. after we prayed. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, they've kind of flared up maybe a little bit since then, but, but for the most part, the problem's rectified. And in Jesus' name, it is rectified. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, there's this, there's this what we see with our eyes, and then there's what exists in the Spirit that we can see in the Spirit. And if we get so focused on what we see in the physical and what people are saying, we totally miss what's important. And I think Pastor Brian helped me uh, in that moment to, to see. I mean, he did he, with his prayer, and I saw, and it was all good. So, Amen. Amen. Thank you. So that's, you know, basically, that's good. <laughs> you are dismissed. I felt like I was supposed to wave my hands in a certain way or something. You're, you can go now. All right. Amen. And uh, you may you may leave now. Hold on. So, uh, you know, that's just this week. That's just this week. All those testimonies. Right. And then we you know, you heard the one this morning. If you were here, a, a guy's son is basically on uh, the deathbed. The doctor's already said he's going to die as soon as we pull these plugs. No hope. No hope whatsoever for him. That now listen, that's the doctor's testimony. That's the world's normal. It's not God's normal. Then prayer happens. Everything comes back. Complete healing. The doctors are sitting there with their you know, mouth open. What happened? They don't, I don't know what happened because they, they all saw the same thing. Let me show you this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 18. And, well, let me start at verse 17. We were talking this morning about uh, moving in the basics of God. Right, moving in God's basics, 
we were talking about Vince Lombardi, how he said, gentlemen, to his football team, hey, this is a football, right? And he was, I mean, they knew what a football is, but he was taking them all the way back to the basics and teaching them the basics. And his philosophy was, we're going to have probably the smallest playbook with the least amount of plays. They can know what play we're going to run in, but they will not be able to stop us because we will execute the basics so well they can't stop us. So if as a Christian, we will learn the basics and we will learn how to operate in these things. All of a sudden what will happen is the devil can know what scripture you're going to pull out on his tail. And he has nothing he can do to stop you. Now he'll try to throw stuff at you. He'll try to run some bad plays to steal, kill and destroy from you. But he can't stop you because all power and authority was given to Jesus. How much did that leave for the devil? Like I'm helping. See, none. Yeah, it left none for him. All power was in Jesus and then Jesus took that and he transferred it and said, here's your power. It's yours. Go therefore, heal the sick, uh, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, heal the lepers, you know, cast out devils. In other words, the power of God is there for the ones that walk in God's normal to operate in it. And who can walk in God's normal? Whoever wants to accept Christ, be filled with the spirit and do it. That's about the only requirements outside of just making sure that we stay in the presence of God and that we follow him in, uh, follow him, follow Jesus and his ways. But a lot of times what will happen is the devil will throw stuff at us and because we have lived in this world for so long and we've been taught things specifically as adults, We've been taught that, oh, no, that can't happen. And I was telling you a story this morning about uh, Luke, how the trampoline, I was jumping on it. And, you know, it's old. We've had it, I don't know how many years. It was before he was born. So the son's been beating on it and everything. It had nothing to do with me being big and on it. It had nothing to do with that. But anyway, it split. And all of a sudden now Luke's sitting there going, man, what's going on with my toy? Yeah, like he likes jumping on the trampoline. That's one of his favorite things. And he's sitting there and I can see the wheels turning, you know, the cogs going. And he's like, am I going to be able to play on this anymore? Well, very quickly, a childlike faith, he goes, my, you know, in his mind, we are loaded, right? In his mind, we are. And guess what? In Jesus, we are. Why? Because all we got to do is ask the Lord, Lord, you know, just bless this in Jesus name. You know, that's all there is when we understand when we start thinking like a kid, that's all there is to it. But the problem is, as adults, a lot of time the world, the corrupted world has taught us to look at the wrong things. And so we start employing logic. We start doing all these things that the world does instead of looking to daddy going, what do you do? And like in that situation, he looks at me, he's like, it'll be OK. We're like buddy uh it'll be okay he was like i know you can just buy me a new one like it was already solved in his mind he's like and i was like well, that's real nice and then i it was like how do you get on to that all he's doing is being like what i should be with my daddy all he's doing and so he's saying look i know you got this this thing's going to be replaced in no time you know he doesn't realize I actually got to like measure it and get on somewhere Amazon and then take it apart and put it back. He doesn't, he doesn't think about all that stuff, but I do, right? So 
it might take a little bit longer than it does for God to get something to me in this case for him. But as far as childlike faith goes, he's there. And I'm thinking, you know, he's like, oh, you'll handle it. And, you know, as a parent, we want to go, oh, I'll handle it, huh? You want to give me the money and everything? Whoa, 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 whoa. Who taught you that? Who taught you that? A corrupted world where that's normal? Now, wait a minute. See, that's just it. We got to get into this word more. We got to understand God can do things in so many different ways. And we got to start getting some of our adult logic out of the way and start go to some childlike faith that says, my God is a good father. My God is a good and loving father. And this thing is nothing to him. This broken down car, it's nothing for God yeah. to replace that. This, this uh, uh, hint of, of a, you know, hey, there's going to be a problem over here. That's nothing for God. It's nothing for him. The word says this, is his arm shortened, you know, that he can't reach you, that he can't touch you. You think God's got Tyrannosaurus Rex disease? Oh, I'm sorry, I would help you, but I can't reach you. <laughs> Barrett's face was awesome. God doesn't have a problem reaching out and touching you. He does not. We need to pray for some Tyrannosaurus. Like, Lord, grow their arms out. They're picked on all the time. <laughs> I have this game with Luke where I'll run around like Tyrannosaurus and I'll be like, I would grab you, but I can't. So <laughs> and he just laughs. Poor Tyrannosaurus. We've got to get used to God's normal. We've got to let God be God in our lives. What does that mean? That means we've got to start thinking the way he thinks. We've got to see things the way that he sees them. Does he see you as having a problem? Everybody think right now about what's been bugging you. If you could ask the Lord right now for one thing, think about what that is. You got it? If you got it, raise your hand. If you could ask the Lord right now for one thing, what would that prayer be? Keep your hand up till everybody's is raised. I want everybody to have an issue. <laughs> I mean, we're in church. <laughs> we all there? All right. <laughs> now we're going to solve the issue. All right. Put your hand down. Has that problem, like, has it come up in your mind? Has it bugged you some? And there's probably different degrees of that. Some people are like, I hadn't thought about that much. Some people are like, that's all I've been thinking about, right? All of us have had those kind of issues. But let me ask you, no matter whose problem, no matter what, is Jesus flipped out about your problem? Well, if he knows everything, which he does, and he's all powerful, which he is, why in the world would I be flipping out about something that Jesus is not flipping out at. And all of a sudden we start to see how we can take our cares and we can cast them on him because on him, they, they just instantly disappear. It's on us that they carry weight. So why not just cast it over there on them? 
Why not just take that thing and say, you know what, Jesus, this is going to work out. This is going to be okay. You know, some of the basics is, I think it's Hebrews 6.12 that says, By faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. By faith and patience. So a basic of God in his playbook is to have patience. And a, a, a basic play in the devil's playbook is to attack that patience. And so what he does, he has you come up for prayer. Maybe the full healing doesn't manifest right then. And so he keeps trying to throw symptoms on you. keeps trying to throw symptoms on you. And he can keep doing that and keep irritating you until you get to the place that you say, you know what, this is going to be fine. You know why? Because i got a big loving father who loves me. He's already paid the price for everything on that cross. It is finished. God's normal is in heaven where there is no curse. There is no lack. There's no lack of help. There's no lack of anything. Lord, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven right now. In Jesus' name, all of a sudden, you start to step into peace and those problems melt away. Jesus, you are not concerned about any of this. None of this really bothers you. I just can't see Jesus. I just can't see you sweating over any issue now that you've paid the price of your life. Now that it's done, you paid the price of your life. There's no issue that Jesus is sweating. Because he says it like this, all things that are the Father's, he has given to me, and I want to disclose it to you. He said in the verse we read this morning, Romans eight thirty two, he's if he would give us Jesus, how, how, how would he not freely give us all things? How would he not freely do that? How? What kind of thinking is that to think that he wouldn't give us the healing that we needed or the finances that we needed or the restoration or the deliverance when he would give us Jesus? That's crazy thinking. That's crazy, crazy thinking to think that he'd give us Jesus, but not that. That's a, a real lack of understanding of our Father. And you know what? That's really been the issue in the church, in the American church. And that's what we want to correct in our own lives first, but then also overflow it. He says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. knowledge. My people are gone into captivity for a lack of understanding. So many times we're walking in these places completely in a, uh, uh, a funk, right? Because we've stepped out from underneath the blessing of God and we really don't know who he is. When God's been sitting there the whole time saying, everything, everything I have is yours. Like the, the good father to the prodigal son, to the older brother. Son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Jesus says it, says it throughout his word so many different times. And here he says this. And I think it's first Peter, I believe, where he says he has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. All things. You know, that verse I quoted before. He says, Who, if he gave us his son, how, how will he not freely give us all things? So what are we? simply revelation of the knowledge of God and walking in it. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, it says that uh, blessed are you because he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing 
in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. That's where the physical blessing comes from. It's blessed spiritually first and then the physical blessing manifests next. That's what he says in Hebrews 1.3. He says he made things uh, which appear from things which do not appear. It's what exactly what happened when Peter and Jesus walked on the water. It looked like water, but what happened was when Jesus said, come, it changed to physical manifestation and the spiritual manifestation superseded the physical manifestation and they stepped on that word when Jesus said, come, like come here. They stepped on that and physically they were okay because spiritually they had been given the blessing of the command, come. That's how it works. Spiritually, there was a blessing poured out on the earth. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be, let there be, let there be. And there was. In other words, it's all these things about the goodness of God. And God spoke them because he had blessed them spiritually. Then he spoke them and that brought it into manifestation. So a lot of times what we're missing is not the actual blessing. We're just not walking in the blessing that's already been given. The other day we were talking about Stephen got a book for his birthday. It was by Bill Winston. And it says that God has already done all he's ever going to do about your situation. Now, if you don't understand why he's saying that, then you can kind of get bent on that. You know, what? God's not going to help me? No, that's not. He's already helped you. Just like it says in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, by his stripes, we were healed. Well, if we were healed, then how come I'm not healed now? That's a great question. Let's look at that. The reason why we're not healed now is because we don't have revelation knowledge that that's what he actually wants to do. Because we've been taught the world's knowledge and the world's normal and not God's normal. And so it's all of these things where we've got to keep our eyes on him and learn about him and grow in him. And, and Paul's prayer at the bottom of Ephesians chapter 1 is all about opening your eyes of understanding. To the knowledge of God. I pray that your eyes would be opened. That your eyes of your heart would be enlightened. It says in the King James. Why? So that you would start to see what your inheritance is in the saints. And what kind of inheritance are we looking at? One that only is matched by the power of the resurrection. The resurrection power of God is your inheritance. Not the pastors only, not the preachers only, every believer. This is normal to God. Are you at 2 Corinthians 4 yet? It says this. See, we've got to walk in the basics of God. And, and we've got to understand that God loves us no matter what we face. No matter what we come across. We've got to understand that God loves us. And he wants to move on us. It says this in verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen... Are temporal, but the things which are not seen 
are eternal. In other words, what we start to do is we run into a place where, you know, health is being attacked. Was that a seen thing or an unseen thing? Is it in the flesh, natural realm? Then that's talking about the seen thing. So are we supposed to look at that? What does it say about that seen thing? What does it say about that thing in the physical, fleshly, natural realm? It's temporal. That word there means it is subject to change. I have people all the time that will tell me absolutes. Well, if we don't do this, then this is going to happen. Says who? Says who? Well, such as the doctor said that. I could care less what the doctor says. God can change that report. There's two of them just today that you've heard. Two of them. Doctor said this. This is it. It's absolute. Whoops. Oh, somebody didn't tell God. (laughs) I guess we should have let him know. I guess we should have informed the Lord about that because he didn't seem to care too much about those doctor's reports. That's two today you've heard about. That happened this week. Because God's normal is different. But people all the time, well, if I don't do this, this will happen. Says who? I don't, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll slip up sometimes. I have slipped up sometimes and said some absolutes too. If you hear me say it, you have right to say, uh, what you talking about, pastor? Because if I say that, hey, it's, if we don't do this, this is going to happen. That's not necessarily true. Now, if God told us that that's going to happen, if he warned us, that's a different deal. But if it wasn't the Lord speaking, we need to watch because we, by our own words, we produce life or death. We choose life or death. And so many things, there's things that God would change, but because we speak it and we start to believe it, then it is so. But his word right there says the things that are seen are temporal. They are subject to change. If I need something to change. Matter of fact, uh, I was thinking about Jonathan Shuttlesworth. He was up uh, at a city. He was going to do a festival of life. And basically they were getting ready to. um, They were getting ready to uh, just really bless a neighborhood and pour out and give to them, give them the word, give them supplies, school supplies, all kinds of stuff, and really serve the community. So they get up there and there's some government official uh, that doesn't like what they're doing, probably because they're carrying a spirit that's different than the one that's in Jonathan, the evangelist. And um, all of a sudden, this government official is like, nope, nope, nope. And this is going to cost you uh, $60,000 or $40,000, some, some huge. It was supposed to only be like two or 3000 something like that. It ends up being like 10 times that amount. 40, thank you. And uh, he's like, whoa. Well, there's a couple of ways that God can handle a situation like that. I mean, you know, he can either zap that guy off the face of the earth or which sometimes we want that to happen. But uh, we'll ask for forgiveness later. But some other way is God could actually change the heart of that guy. Or another way is God could bring that in and more. 
which is exactly what happened. Ended up because of this, it just caused faith to rise up in Jonathan. And within just a few weeks, uh, or actually, it was, yeah, it was a few weeks, a little bit more than a month, I believe, uh, way, way more than that came in. All right, devil, fine. You want to try and steal something? If the thief is found out according to the word of God, he must repay sevenfold. That's a minimum, right? Okay, fine. You want to try and steal something? Now I have a legal right to employ the word of God. Thank you so very much. You've been found out. You are a thief. Now you pay. And so he believed the Lord. He, he was able to ask the Lord for the thief to repay. A lot more than that came in. They had the meeting. And then not only that... But because of the whole situation, it caused it to get uh, some attention, which drew more people to the festival. And they heard the gospel. Amen. Well, that's awesome. But see, that's somebody who's not paying attention. Just, oh, man, they told me I'm going to need this money. I don't have this money. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You got to stop looking at the natural. Stop looking at what is seen. These are just the basics of a spiritual life in God. Stop looking at the facts of the world and look at the truth of God. Listen to this. This is something I've been saying it last couple of weeks. The Lord, uh, I believe he just spoke it to me. He says that if you continue in my word, a lot of people just talk about the truth will set you free, but that's not really what it says. It says, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So a lot of people just want to hear uh, something they think is true and think that they'll walk in freedom. In order to get the actual truth, you got to continue in the word. All right. So if you continue in the word, then you'll know the truth and then the truth will set you free. There's a difference between facts and truth. Truth will set you free. Facts don't necessarily do that. It can be a fact. I mean, it depends on who you're talking about. But if it's 90 degrees, right, the fact could be it's 90 degrees. But that does not bring freedom to me in Jesus' name. <laughs> Maybe to Nicole. <laughs> But freedom for me comes at around 60 to 70, which is not freedom for her, right? So those are both facts, right? All right. So, but truth, if it's really truth, it'll bring freedom, godly freedom in your life. So when he received that report that, hey, it's going to have, it's going to cost you this much money and it's to have this festival. Was that a fact or was it truth? That was a fact. But the truth is, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Now that's truth and that brought a freedom, right? What was happening was just a fact. But see, that's where a believer will step into being more than a conqueror. That's where a believer will step into being an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives to the death. That's when a believer starts to say, man, this is going to work out. Because I'm not looking at the fact. I'm not looking at the scene. I'm looking at the unseen. I'm looking at what I can't see with these physical eyes. I'm looking at the promise of God. I'm looking at what God's bringing. And he's going to bring some truth. And the truth is going to set us free. Amen. Amen. I want to look at this real quick. It, because how many of you have ever gone through some stuff and it's hurt you? Physical, emotional, right? How many has ever gone through something that you consider pretty heavy? Most everybody. 
Now I want you to see something. Let's get some truth right here. Okay, let's, let's get some truth. Let's bring some freedom. Now, I'm not, what I just said doesn't mean that your flesh is going to like what I'm about to say. Let me preface it with that. But I'm not trying to please your flesh. I'm trying to speak truth that will bring freedom. There's a big difference between those two. Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. There's a whole lot of people that didn't accept that truth and that, that put pressure on their flesh and what they thought. And instead of humbling themselves and asking Jesus, what do you mean by that? Which he then could have told them and explained it to them. They just felt the pressure on their flesh and they ran. Did they get it right or miss it? They missed it. So what I'm about to tell you might not feel good on your flesh. But it is truth because it's coming straight from here. And it'll, it'll set you free. In multiple areas if you'll let it. So that thing that you've gone through that, called, that was heavy, every, pretty much everybody raised their hand. Now I've gone through something that's heavy before, right? And I would say that we have too. Here's some freedom. God calls that thing momentary light affliction. While you call it heavy, and I, we would have called that heavy as well, God says momentary light affliction. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in some situations that did not feel momentary and they did not feel light. So now we ask the question, who's telling the truth? Is it my thinking or is it God? Now, we know the answer to say in here, but would we, would we agree on the outside? See, a lot of times when we're in the middle of what we would call heavy, if somebody came up and said, that's just a momentary light affliction, we'd be like, you ungrateful, uh, you've got such a lack of compassion. I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, where's your mercy? Where's your sympathy? Where's your empathy? Well, maybe I'm giving you the best thing that I can ever give you. In other words, there's a difference between what you're feeling and what's actually happening. That's the difference. But the difference is, where's our eyes set? Are our eyes set on the things that are seen or set on the things that are unseen? Are they set on the things that are seen or the things that are unseen? There was a period of time, I kind of like this story, Nicole doesn't. But uh, <laughs> actually she does, she does now. But right now she's just wondering what in the world is he about to tell you. All right. So there was a period of time where uh, she was having a situation and she was, um, I forget exactly what was going on. She can probably tell you. But I remember she was having a situation and the Holy Spirit just told me to tell her, you just need to get over that. Yeah, all the husbands are like, oh. beep, beep, beep. And oh, she was not happy with me for a few minutes. Maybe a few days, weeks, months. It was, but no, it was, it was just a little bit. But she was not happy with me. 
But then you'll, she'll tell you that was the best thing you could have ever said to me. Why? Because I gave her some truth. Men, I do not recommend doing that on a regular basis. <laughs> this is a word of wisdom right here. This is a gift of the Spirit. Don't do that unless you've heard from the Holy Ghost. Amen. Word of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be good to confirm it too. <laughs> Get some confirmation before you go throwing that stuff out there. Anyway, when I told her that, she recognized she heard the voice of her father in that, the voice of a loving father, loving God, saying, he's right, you need to get over that. And when she recognized that as truth, she dropped the whatever it was, offense or whatever, she immediately dropped it and stepped into freedom. That's what happened. So a lot of times what we need to do is we need to drop the feeling. I see this all the time. Um... Man, I just got the teach on tonight. It was here this morning too. I see this a lot. Is You ever see somebody who's lost a loved one and they start grieving, right? And they'll grieve. Well, is the Lord in the grieving? I mean, we have a whole, whole bunch of psychology today. We have a bunch of psychology that tells you that grieving is healthy, right? But what does the truth say about it? Right? The truth says, hey, that thing's basically wrapped up with a spirit, and you don't want to hold on to a, a spirit of grief can crush you. Yeah. Right? What does God want to do? In Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, um, let, let me just read it to you. Uh, well, I can quote it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Right? So where's the Lord taking somebody who grieves? To comfort. So at some point, that person's got to accept comfort. But see, this is one of the deceptions of the devil. The deception of the devil is this, that if you stop grieving, you are dishonoring that person. You see the deception? And so they think if they let go of the pain, that somehow they're dishonoring that person. And it's a deception. In other words, the devil has deceived them into holding on to pain. But I can tell you that person, if they passed away, they're in one of two places. And it doesn't matter which place that they are, whether they're in heaven or they're in hell. I promise you the best thing that they would want you to do is let go of anything that is not of God. And that pain is not of God. It's a part of the curse. It's a part of a cursed world. And that's what you have a redeemer for. He would, that person would want you to be redeemed and receive the comfort of the Lord. Amen? Amen. But see, some people you would tell that to and they would just get really angry with you because you're telling them to let go of the thing that they found their identity in. And this is the issue. We've got to find our identity in Jesus. Stop setting our sight on things of the flesh and set our things on the things that are unseen, on the love of God. Is this helping somebody? I can, feel the, I can feel the anointing on that for people that are listening to it. We've got to understand, I want to go back to this. He says, your momentary light affliction. What if somebody, think about that for a second, when you were going through that heavy thing, when you were going through that heavy thing in your life, if somebody came up to you and said, oh, that's nothing. It's just momentary light affliction. 
How'd you feel towards that person right then? Who would be right? They would. They're lining up with scripture. So why is it that we would have that in initial emotional reaction towards them? Because the world has taught us it's normal. How dare you tell me this is momentary and light. I dare tell you because that's what Jesus said. That's what the word says. Now that doesn't mean that you're supposed to have, in other words, how many of y'all have been in a heavy situation and I've walked up to you and said, oh, that's just momentary and light. How many times has that happened? No, because there's also the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. He'll open up the door to minister that in the proper way. But what, what I'm trying to point out here, so many times we have our eyes on the flesh and not on the solution. We have our eyes on the heavy and not on the easy and light. So let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now right there, I want you to notice something. Doesn't Jesus recognize that there will be those who are weary and heavy laden? So he recognizes that people will be outside of comfort and under pressure. But he also offers them a solution. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is a promise. So if we are weary and heavy laden and we go to God, should we or should we not expect to be given rest? Now, if we have a true expectation, is it going to happen or do we hope so? It's going to happen if we truly believe him at his word. Now, if we really didn't believe his word, we'll be like, well, we'll give it a shot. And that's where a lot of the church has been. Well, we'll give it a shot. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But I'll go up for prayer. Well, that's not faith. That's not believing in his word. That's not believing that he is trustworthy. That's not believing. See, we shouldn't be talking in absolutes a whole lot, but Jesus and God can talk in them all they want to. And this is one where he said, come to me, I will give you rest. These are strong words. I will. I will. It's like the man that came up and he said, if you'll heal me, he said, if I will, I will. I will heal you. In other words, it's kind of like his question and his is his question was questioning the character and nature of a loving father. If I will, I will. You, what do you mean? Uh, maybe this will work. It will work. I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Now, I want you to see something here. You remember in 1 Peter, and uh, I think it's in Philippians as well, it talks about that grace and greater grace is given to what? The humble. Those who are proud, they walk in opposition to God. In other words, the way that they walk will set them in opposition. They'll be opposed. But the one that humbles himself, grace and greater grace will be given. This is what a lot of people miss. In the Gospels, one of the things that happened all the time was, and if you watch it, start watching it as you're reading through the Gospels and the life of Jesus, everybody that he helped in some way opened themselves up to him and came to him. In some way, they came to Jesus. It, was, it is a way of God. In other words, they had to come and say, Jesus, I need your help. I'm coming to you. I'm humbling myself. I'm submitting myself to you. And what does he say? Those come to me and I will give you rest. Here's the thing. Most people aren't willing to come. They may come up here on Sunday morning, they may get prayer, but they're not really coming to Jesus in their heart. All they're doing is they're coming up and going through some motions. They're going, they're going through a lottery system. Maybe this will work, maybe it won't, but I'll try it. That's not humbling yourself. That's not humbling. Humbling says that I'm coming. I'm laying my whole self down and Lord, I trust in you. I believe in you. I'm coming to you and you will set me free. You will set the captive free. Your anointing breaks the yoke in Jesus name. When I step past out of my chair, I come down the aisle and I'm coming up here. Things are going to change. Now that's a humble heart. Some people would say, well, that's that's confidence and pride and ego. No, that's humility based off of what he said. That's, that's actual real humility. It's not false humility. That's real humility based off of what he said. I want to see where he said your momentary light affliction. And then here he says that I will give you rest. But then he goes on to define it. And he says, for my ways, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of us have had a life that did not feel easy and light? Anybody ever felt that before? Hey, Lord, this is not easy and light. This is not, this is not easy and light, Lord. Well, did, did Jesus lie? Hey, now, wait a minute. Let's go back. Hold on. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest... Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But yet we've all said that it hasn't been easy and light at times. So how does that reconcile? Again, who's telling the truth? Is it my feelings or is it the word of God? Is it my feelings or is it the Holy Spirit who inspired every scripture? All right. So in other words, what's written and the truth is writing something different to my brain than what I'm experiencing. There's a truth that goes beyond my feelings. My feelings may be experiencing a fact, but there's a truth 
that supersedes that. His yoke is easy and light. Now, here's one of the things that we have to understand. Look at this. First of all, it says this. It says, come to me. How many people truly come to him? How many people really come to him? Let me give you a good example. You remember the 10 lepers? I was thinking it was funny because I was telling Nicole the other day, um, we just did some stuff in the church where we gave away, uh, we helped some people, right? And like monetarily that needed some help with some stuff. It was funny because uh, there were two specifically in the past month that we helped and neither one of them said thank you. And I was kind of, you know, irritated about that, you know, because they should say thank you, I think. That's what I would do. <laughs> but they didn't. I'm messing. Y'all didn't know. She's smiling real big. Some people are like, I don't know what to think about him right now. Um, anyway, so they didn't say thank you. And I was just thinking about that, and it irritated me a little bit. And I was like, you know, they should have said thank you. And then the Lord reminded me about the ten lepers. And ten of them got healed, but only one returned to give him glory. Only one returned to give him thanks. And Jesus said, ah, oh, they didn't thank me either. <laughs> Holy Spirit ministered that to me. I went, wow, that puts us in good company. <laughs> he said, yeah, they didn't thank me either. But I want to show you something. Now, 10 of them got healed. Now, isn't healing awesome? But the one leper, who, one of those out of the 10 that got healed, returned and gave him thankfulness. Gave him the glory. And Jesus said, your faith is, your faith is awesome. You, you're, you're doing good. You did good. Where's the other ones? Where's the other nine? And he said, according to your faith, you'll be made whole. Nine were healed. One was made whole. Whole means everything returned to him. Leprosy is one of those that it eats up all the appendages and different things and fingers and noses and everything. That means when he spoke that, now look, is he speaking just like he just throwing words out there? Is Jesus just throwing words? No, Jesus wasn't just throwing words around. If he said you'll be made whole, there's the difference. They left, the leprosy stopped eating them and they, it stopped. Made whole means everything came back, including all of the stuff that was stolen by the years of leprosy. That means the devil had to return all that the canker worm had stolen. And what did it come from? Thankfulness. Let me throw this at you. Nine went to Jesus for healing. One came to him. Come to me. One humbled himself. And the weight of the disease was not only stopped, but they were made whole. One received complete freedom from all the weariness and the heavy laden. And it had to do with ultimately that humility produced itself in thanksgiving. Lord, I, I don't know. Now look, I want you to see this. Watch. Here he is. Hit Lord, heal us. Boom. They're healed. Nine go back. One says, mm, I need to thank him. Turns around, Right? When he turns around to go thank Jesus, when he turns around to go thank him, is he whole then? Not physically, 
But his eyes are set on Jesus. His eyes are set on humility. Listen, it recognized that I needed to thank him no matter what I see or what I feel. He's not whole yet. He hasn't received restoration yet. He hasn't received uh, the whole restoration of body, soul, mind, finances, all that. He hadn't received all that. But this is what he said. Even in the midst of that, I will thank you. Now we're coming to Jesus. Because it's recognizing even before I feel the symptoms be released in my body, I thank you because I know who you are. I know you are the one. You're the life giver. You are the El Shaddai. You are God, my healer. You are God, my banner. You are God, my righteousness. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You rise with healing in your wings. You are Lord Almighty. It starts to give him thanks and praise before they even feel it. It's funny how that happens when we actually get in that place where our heart starts to come to Jesus. All of a sudden, restoration can be poured out. It's like there's a block there holding back all who Jesus is. But when we come to Jesus with our heart in that humility, we ourselves, by empowered by God, take that block, cast it out of the way, and all the goodness of God can come flooding in. If we'll learn to give God thanks before we even feel it or see it, what are we doing? We're not setting our eyes on. We're not setting our eyes on things that we see. I'm not setting the eyes on the pain. I'm not setting the eyes on, on the lack. I'm not setting my eyes on this. I'm setting my eyes on the things which are unseen. The promises of God, His great nature, His glory. You are awesome, Lord, no matter what I see or how I feel. You are worthy of my praise. And all of a sudden, restoration can come. It's the same thing that set Job free. In the very first chapter of Job, all that stuff happens. He doesn't know why it happened. He doesn't know how it, how it happens. It looks like, honestly, we, we know about the devil, but it looks like Job didn't even know about the devil. He thought God did everything. He thought he was in control of everything. He didn't even know about everything like that with the devil and everything it looks like but he doesn't know what's happening but job after all this stuff happens here's what he does he hits his knees and says lord no matter what happens i will trust you and i will worship you in that moment he came to jesus and that's what turned it around and the lord was able to repay same thing he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light but before he says that, in other words, before he says that in verse 29, it says this, take my yoke upon you. So in order to walk in easy and light, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to actually come to Jesus. Before, and then once you've come to Jesus, you've got to take his yoke on you. In other words, you need to do things the way that Jesus would do them. So all of a sudden, when we start to realize that my life is not easy and light, what does that mean? Generally, it means God does stuff differently than I do, and I've been walking in my ways instead of walking in his ways. I've taken the world's yoke on my shoulders, and I need to take his. Remember, our fight of faith is to enter into the rest of God. Lord, you're awesome. I praise you. I worship you. Lord, I just thank you. We just set our eyes on the things above. The word says that when you pray in the spirit, you do give thanks well. 
all of a sudden, and you, we start giving thanks unto God. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. That's me with whom he is pleased. That's me. Lord, I receive your peace and your goodwill. Thank you, Father. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, you are God and you give me the good things of God. I take your yoke upon me. I take your yoke upon me. I don't try to walk in my own yoke. I take your yoke upon me. And all of a sudden things turn easy and light. I said this before, if it's not easy and light, then one of the best things that we can do, a lack of easy and light shows us the symptoms that we've got something where we are yoked with the wrong yoke. And so if we start to experience things and they're not easy and light, we should take that in humility and say, Lord, where am I being yoked at? What's, what's wrongly yoked in my life? What's the issue? What's causing the weight and causing it to not be easy? But this is, this is truth that will set us free. But we've got to be willing to look at it. And that's what a humble heart does. It looks at it and says, where am I missing it? Where, where am I yoked with the wrong thing? Where am I unequally yoked, not in our marriage, but where am I unequally yoked with God? God's got this yoke, but I'm wearing this one. What am I doing that's causing this burden, that's causing this weight? Lord, help me to see it. Help me to move into easy and light. All things are temporal, that are seen. All things are subject to change. I feel like I'm supposed to give you these scriptures. Turn to Isaiah chapter 51. It's funny, at the beginning of chapter 51, it says this in verse 1, Isaiah 51, 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. In other words, what's it saying right there again? It's saying, look to the way that Jesus does this. Look to the character and nature that he has in him and put that same character and nature in you. Take his yoke upon you. Take his yoke. Then you turn over. These are the scriptures I wanted to give to you. In Isaiah now, Isaiah was a prophet. That's veggie tales for anybody who didn't know. <laughs> Isaiah was a prophet. Thank you. And um, he talks about Israel before it has a Messiah. And then over and around verse or chapter 40 to 50 ish around in that area, his prophecies start to turn and they're uh, marked, definitely marked difference between the two. He starts talking about a children and a nation that has received a savior, received the goodness of God. And what it's showing is, it's showing before Christ 
and after Christ. And once you get over into chapters 50, 51 here, he's talking to the nation that would know God by accepting Christ. He's talking to you. And one of the things he says right here is this. This is in verse 22. All this time he's been talking about the things that would happen, good and bad, based off of this. But once he gets to the place where the people receive Jesus as their Savior, this is what he says. You want to talk about your Lord being good and being a loving Father. He says this, verse 22. Thus says the Lord, the Lord even your God, who contends for his people, behold... I have taken out of your hand the cup of reeling, the chalice of my anger. You will never drink it again. Never drink it again. I remember one time when I was reading this and I hit that verse. And I, you know, how many people have heard that God is mad with you? God is judging the world. God is doing this and that and everything else. Anybody ever heard that? I remember one time when uh, Justin and I first met, there was some guys out preaching on the corner and they're like, I mean, they were preaching the judgment, man. You remember that? They were preaching the judgment. And he was like, something just doesn't feel right in my spirit about that. I'm like, good. That's the Holy Spirit telling you it ain't right. Why? And it's not that God doesn't have two sides You know, it's not like God has has a split personality, but he's got the side of love. But in that same side of love, he is holy and there is a holiness to go after him. But as far as judgment and wrath goes in Romans, it says that his wrath is stored up. We are in a period of time where he promises right here that he will never pour out his cup of wrath on the people that will accept Christ, on the nation that will be saved by the Messiah. He will never, never again pour out his wrath. I remember I was reading that and I I, uh, felt wrongly about the same kind of preaching before and the judgment and God's doing this and God's doing that. And don't get me wrong. Listen, there is already a judgment that's poured out on this earth that pre-exists before you were born. And you can either walk under God's hand and under his blessing or by your own uh, actions can step out from his hand and into the curse. Well, you don't want to do that. But if you are in him and have the right to enter into him and come under his hand, then you can stay there and you won't taste of his wrath and you won't taste of the judgment that's poured out anymore. But I remember reading this and and he said, you will never, those are strong words, never taste of this cup of wrath, the cup of my anger again. I went, whoa. Did I just read what I thought I read? I read it, I poured it up again. I was like, behold, I've taken out of your hand the cup of reeling, the chalice of my anger. You will never drink it again. That means God is not looking to punish me. God's looking for a way to bless me. He's looking for a way to get his love on us. He's not looking for a way to keep you in that sickness to teach you something. He's looking for you to set your eyes on him to see that thing change it and change it. He's looking for his anger and his wrath to never touch you, for the judgment to never touch you. But he wants the blessing of God to give you life and life to the full till it overflows. And then if that wasn't enough, turn over to um, chapter 54. Verse 
It says this in verse 8, chapter 54. In an outburst, he's talking to the nation of Israel that is now uh, born again. And he says, in an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you. Says the Lord, your Redeemer. I just want you to look at that. How long will he do it? Everlasting. His everlasting loving kindness. God is a covenant keeper. He's a covenant God. This speaks to a covenant loyalty that God has. Then he says this in verse 9. For this is like the days of Noah to me. When I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you. Nor will I rebuke you. He swore this is an everlasting covenant. I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. That's amazing. The love of the Father for you to put himself into the position to speak these words and say, I won't be angry with you and I won't rebuke you. See, right now you just start reading these words and reading how good your father is and his covenant loyalty. And all of a sudden, all the condemnation of the, of the devil and of the world, it just starts crumbling and falling off of you. And that, that system where the devil had you pinned down and in a penitentiary of condemnation, it starts to just break off of you because you start to see the father's love for what it is. Over here, he says in verse 14, he says, In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. And from terror, it will not come near you. Terror, it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. It will not B, but whoever assails you will fall because of you. In other words, somebody tries to come against the anointing in you. They might try to touch you, but I'll be there to protect you. But I tell you this, because they tried to mess with you, that will be the end of them. In other words, you will be the one that brings that terrorist to an end. You'll be protected because of the blessing and the anointing on you. But you will be the one that brings that to an end. That's what that says. Right after that's where it says, verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Look at, look, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. And then look at this. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage. This is your inheritance by knowing Jesus and becoming his child. This is your inheritance, that you are kept from the evil one. And you will be one that brings about the blessing of God's goodness. And when people try to bring it up and try to bring terrorist terrorism, and I'm not just talking about today's version of terrorism, I'm talking about any kind of terror, any kind of fear, you will be the reason that that fear, their reign of fear will come to an end because of the blessing in you. Our job is to be the light so much that we dispel darkness, that we drive it back, that we start walking in the true knowledge of God so that all of a sudden we start stepping into a place 
where God can do what God wants to do. If, if Christians were really being and walking in God's normal, there would be no terrorism on the planet. There wouldn't be. Why? Because these verses are true. But we haven't been walking with his yoke. We've been walking with what the world has given us as a yoke. And we've accepted pieces of God and pieces of the world. The majority of it, I would say, are pieces of the world. But it's time for us to shed the worldly yoke, set our eyes on the unseen things of God so that we can see his goodness and his mercy manifest. Last verse, Isaiah. Here he is. He prophesied these pieces. But I want to show you this. I think this is going to do something in you today. Isaiah 6. The Lord... The Lord is talking to his church about holiness. He's talking to his church about righteousness. He's talking to his church about separating themselves from the darkness. He's talking to his church about separating themselves from the worldly yokes. He's talking to his church about stop uh, going with the flow and, and go with God. He's talking to his church about getting real in their walk. And for those who are listening, they're hearing the cry of the Holy Spirit saying, come up higher, come up higher. I've got something for you. I've got a plan. I've got some good work for you. I've got some good deeds for you. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be willing. I want you to be empowered. I want you to be ready. You know, we just heard, here's the thing. We just heard two testimonies today about doctor's reports that were both of them fatal doctor's reports. Twice, the doctor's report changed. But here's the question. What if uh, they weren't friends with Stephen? And what if he wasn't friends with me? Would they have had the same report? I don't think so. Well, what if they were friends with Stephen, but Stephen hadn't prepared himself in the word? Would he even know to pray? What if I wouldn't have grown uh, to the place and let God deal in me and then put my life on the line to grow in God? Would Stephen have come to a church that, that did that? I don't, we don't know those answers, but we know because of those things, it worked out for a fatal report to start to turn. Same with the other report that we had. This takes an effort on our part. It takes an understanding that God's calling every one of us to good works, to good deeds. But we don't just move into the things of God simply by just checking a box. We've got to go after God. We've got to go after his knowledge. We've got to go after his holiness. We've got to go after his righteousness. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek his knowledge. Seek his wisdom. You want to be used like Isaiah was used. But listen, so many times we're dabbling. We're playing around with stuff we shouldn't be messing around in. 
We're, we're saying, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in God, but then when it comes to doing the things we actually need to do, we're not present, we're not there, we're not doing those things. And God's saying, look, I'm calling you up higher, and I want to use you at the highest levels, but I can't do it if you won't agree with me and walk in my yoke. I can't move you to those places. You see, he's calling every single one of us to come to these places of his normal. But remember, not everybody walked in easy and light, but the ones that would come to him and the ones that would put on the yoke of Christ. And they walked in an ease and, a, and, and just a lack of a burden that everybody else did not walk in because they humbled themselves to come to him and do it his way. His way is holiness. His way is righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Here's Isaiah, and I don't know if you felt like this, but I felt like this. He says in verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling his temple. Seraphim stood up above him, each having six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And when two he flew, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I don't know about you, but I've had the times when the Lord is calling me. And it's like, Lord, I don't even feel like ministering today because I recognize I'm not worthy of you. I feel I've stepped in front before and I've been like, I don't even want to preach today because I don't feel worthy. And you've had that time like, Lord, I want to be used by you, but I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of your holiness. I'm not worthy of even spending time with you. Anybody ever felt that way besides me? like I want to be used I want to be used by you I want I want to move in your stuff I want to walk with you I want to move in your normal but then we step into it and before you know it we trip over our own feet and there we are and we're a mess we we're in a, a we're a person of unclean lips and we live amongst a people of uncleanliness we say the wrong things with our life. Our life speaks of unholiness. Our life speaks of ungodliness. And yet here we are and we're like, I want to come to you, but I feel like I can't. And we feel this draw from God saying, come on up. I want you to be used by me. I want you to be used. I want to use you, but I can't use you till you get up here. And you're like, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's the time then that we submit ourselves to God and say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I want to be used by you. But I can't even get me clean. It's in that moment of humility that the Lord will do to you the same thing he does to Isaiah. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand. 
which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. He says, look, I, I, I know that you've been a mess. But if you'll come to me and you'll take my yoke upon me, I'll clean you. I will put my holiness on you. I will give you my righteousness. And I will teach you to walk in the things that I've called you to. It's not even our stuff. He says, I'll give you mine. I'll burn it off of you. I will purify you. Just come to me. Verse 8, and then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. So Isaiah went from the place of saying, oh God, I am a man of unclean lips and I live in a people of unclean lips to saying, here I am, send me. In a moment like that, because he allowed the Lord to do in his life what the Lord wanted to do. Patty, will you head up there? So right now I want you to stand. And I want you to close your eyes and let the Lord do in your life what he wants to do. Let him take the impurities and let him burn them out. And let, he get, let him give you his holiness and let him give you his righteousness. And let him set you on fire so that you can be used. So that the things that are unseen can become made manifest in the lives of the people that only have their eyes on the scene. And you can be the light that God's called you to be. Father said, I see a people, <laughs> I see a people of unclean lips. I see a people who are not worthy of me, even my enemies. I see a people whose righteousness is as filthy rags, who have no holiness, no separation of the good from the bad. They have nothing worthy. What they, what they try to bring to me is filth and they think it's clean. They think it's clean and it's filth. The father said, let me send a coal from my belly. Let me send a fire, a burning fire that will cleanse the lips of a world made in my image by walking in their own righteousness. 
Let me cleanse the world. Let me cleanse the people of their own righteousness. And let me give them mine. And he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he will set his people free. And he will bring freedom. And he will cleanse them. And he will take his righteousness and give them theirs. And the whole purpose and the whole design is that a people that couldn't do anything for him can now turn and hear the heartbeat of God. And when God says, who will I send? We will be able to rise up through Christ and say, here I am, send me. To change us in an instant. And so he sent that coal from his belly. His name was Jesus. And he broke his body. He gave his body and he shed his blood. And as we grab the horns of that altar, doused in the sacrifice of the blood of the lamb, and we receive where the body was broken, we receive wholeness in the body and the blood of Christ. <laughs> he becomes the manifestation of Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah our righteousness. And we become a people worthy of carrying a cry of God's love, a cry of God's normal to the world. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Just pray this with me. Just say, Father, right now, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He died for me. He took my sin on Him. He took my unrighteousness and put it on His shoulders. And the weight of that sin took him into death, hell, and the grave. And the love of a father and the faith of Christ brought him back to life. And when he raised up from that grave, he brought me up with him. And he raised me up and seated me, now righteous, in heavenly places, seated with Christ, all things under our feet, whole, new, righteous, empowered. Father, we receive it as true today. Fill us, say that, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Overflow us. With the spirit of power, spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Give us your holiness to walk in the consuming fire of God and become carriers of the fire and the glory and the love of God. In Jesus' name. And just keep your eyes closed. And take a moment.
to remember the cost of making you clean. You didn't pay it, but Jesus did. And the best thing you can do is step into the freedom of the truth. That I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm completely saved by grace. I'm completely made whole. I'm a new creation from this point forward. I'm healed. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I have no issue that Jesus has not paid for on that cross. I walk in the righteousness of God in Christ. I walk out of these doors tonight a new creature, a new creation, a spirit that has been regenerated. Let me say it this way. Regenerated. He's recreated you and given you the genes of a holy Savior. And He's made you in that image and that likeness. You are no longer the same. Just say this with me. Tonight, I walk out in total freedom of the truth. I'm not the same. Forevermore. In Jesus' name. Once you feel like you've meditated and remembered the price that Jesus paid, take the body and the blood at your own discretion. body and the blood remember the price and remember the result of a people made whole and a people made new a people made whole and a people made new I'm a person made whole and a person made new I'm a person made whole and a person made new in the righteousness and the holiness of God you are a person made whole and a person made new You are a person made whole and a person made new. It's who you are. It's the love of a father that won't turn one variation to the right or to the left. It's the love of the father that would not leave you when he easily could have. It's the character and nature of a loving father and received as a faithful child. Lord, you be that loving father. We'll be the loving children. And we will be the brothers and sisters of Christ, the body of God in this world, the body of Christ in this world. He was the firstborn of many. Lord, we'll be the many. We'll be the many. We'll be the many. So, Talemo Otiavato Kodaboshi Betene, Botaratanamotomo. Right before we wrap up tonight, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I want more of the fire of God in my life. I need the fire of God. I need that. I need the Lord to purge me to be who you want me to be. I want you to come up right now. <laughs>